Hello, welcome back to the Bad Pipes Podcast. Uh, I'm so sleepy, but my name is Andrew. With me today is Scott Kelly. I'm here. We're both here. Uh, this week, we thought it would be a good idea to um, kind of building off of last week, talking about uh, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, to to watch another one of his kind of like iconically Zack Snyder movies um, without delving into the uh, the DC stuff. So we ended up watching Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch. came out in 2011. Punch. Yeah. Um, our, our graduating year. Oh, God. Oh, God. Now True. 13 years ago, essentially. Jesus. Yeah, basically. Coming up on it. Just a few months. <laughs> um, quick question. Yes. Did you watch the original it, uh, no, version of this, the PG thirteen, or did you watch the I R did, version? I did find the extended R rated version. All right, so we both went with the meme and watched the the Zack Steiner extended cut. <laughs> yes, yes, we did. Of uh, of Sucker Punch, and this is your first time watching it, right? Uh, yes. So, uh, my little sister was, like, super into this way back. I I don't know why. Um, I just remember her watching it a bunch, and I never really sat down and watched it. But I do recall my little sister being super into it. Um, but yes, this is, like, probably my first time, like, actually sitting down and paying attention and watching it. Oh, your little sister is pretty edgy, and, uh... This movie she, does she kind is. of appeal to the uh, super edgy crowd. Yeah, that that is her. Yeah, she is. She aims to be edgy. Yeah, I mean, what other movie could you say like uh, there's a mob story, a like a mafia kind of story? Uh-huh. Um, there's a like family drama going on. There are samurai, orcs, dragons. Uh, World War One zeppelins, planes, and trenches. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like also like mental instability in an insane asylum. In an insane asylum. Uh, fucking uh, castle. There's fucking everything in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot going on. Uh, so when this movie came out. Received generally negative reviews, uh, grossed 89, basically 90 million against this budget of 82 million. So, objectively yeah. a flop. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, it looks like it, it. it's currently sitting at a 22% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 47 from audience. Not great. <clears throat> no, not great. And that's why I'm interested to heal. To, to heal I'm interested to hear your perspective. Interested to hear your perspective on it, having watched this for the first time. Yeah. Um, so. I did enjoy it. I mean, you come into it and it's. Uh, we, we pretty much get like a very, <laughs> definitely a very edgy intro into this movie with just like some 
I mean, the whole movie is scattered with like these like emo covers of uh, pretty popular songs. Well, it's also um, got like uh, like Bjork is in there, so it's these kind of uh, yeah. I mean, the soundtrack's good. I think. No, I I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, very interesting covers of songs in there, but. No, I mean our our main character, baby baby doll. Uh, but her mother dies. Her stepfather looks like he's abusive. Probably, it, it almost appears. I, I don't think it's ever explicitly. A lot of, a lot of stuff isn't explicitly stated in this, but it almost looks like he planned her death potentially in order to get you know, inheritance from the will, but then opens the will and finds it. It's, you know, the mother has left things to her two daughters, baby doll and her little sister. Um, but yeah. And then, yeah, he, he goes to like, he goes to abuse them. He goes to abuse the little sister and she pulls a gun on him and ends up shooting and killing her little sister. And then she's dragged to the, the asylum. And that's where this all kind of goes down. Yeah. It's very sort of like, American Gothic to begin with, I would probably describe that section. Um, yeah, definitely. Kind of like Lemony Snicket vibes too. Like mm-hmm. parents are dead. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got like orphan kid kind of thrust yeah. into a world that's like beyond them, basically. You know? Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's uh, a it's because a hell of a even ride. Though that is kind of the opening of the the movie. Mm-hmm. That's actually not the first scene. The first scene is a stage, and the curtains open up. Oh yes, yep. The curtains. So you get the stage, and the curtains open up to her sitting on the bed. Uh, it's it's actually not her. It is oh. the actress that plays oh. Sweetie with that blonde wig on. That's right. Yep. The, um, because Sweet Pea is our is our, our narrator uh, from what I understand Sweet Pea is the one speaking to us um, yeah she does from have the beginning opening monologue and, yeah. and narrating um, which is interesting because you have all of that going on and then the end of that sequence is uh, them coming up to the lobotomy scene and then it switches back to the other narrative which is Sweet Pea pulling off the wig and being like, what the fuck is this? You know, like, (laughs) (laughs) um, so yeah, there's like an unreliable narrator kind of thing going on in that you don't know which story is the actual story. Like, is it baby doll story or is it Sweet Pea's story? Um, but it ends up, I think, exploring that in a, in a pretty interesting way. Um, You saying that you enjoyed this, I find interesting uh, because A, I do think it's a pretty fun movie. Mm-hmm. B, I do think that the R version, the extended version, makes certain things a lot clearer than the original, like the theatric version did. Yep. Um, and I also feel like even originally the... Uh, theatrical version was like a monumentally misunderstood movie yeah (laughs) yeah 
I could see that. There, there is. Um, I think that kind of goes back to they. They keep. Th I feel like they just don't explicitly spell things out, which I think some people would find problems with because people have trouble with speculation or coming to their own conclusions. People, uh, I, I think a lot of people are just dumb, <laughs> so they're, they're like, <laughs> they can't watch this and go like, yeah, that that checks out. That makes sense. Um. So, yeah, no, I felt, I mean, even like when it came around to the end, I felt it tied things up pretty well. Yeah. And I felt like I, I came to a conclusion, to an understanding of, of what occurred and like everything relating to the story. Um, but yeah, I think they... Uh, Throughout the entire movie, I felt they did a good job of the transitioning between, like, the, the transitioning, but also blurring the lines between, like, hey, we're, we're in this burlesque club, uh, but it's also the like asylum. Brothel and all yeah. this other stuff, yeah. Yeah, so that's like that's where. Uh, As you're watching it, you're kind of listening for lines that would fit in in both of those uh, settings, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and it's like it's even with, you know, there's a lot of things that I, I feel like just watching, you know, like when they're in the burlesque club and they talk, they're talking about the cleaning closet that occasionally the orderly will lock them into, and like they open it up and it's got padded walls. It's like okay. That's very clearly not a normal cleaning closet. That's very clearly like the, like a safe room in an asylum. Um, it's just like from her perspective within the burlesque club. That's the that's like the cleaning supply closet. Um, it's, it, it also goes back to like uh, when they're walking through the burlesque club and there's just these random like. Uh, the random like cages or like the random like fenced off areas with like the doors and everything yeah. um almost like fencing or chain link um and like they have to like pass through those i'm like that's not a normal thing you would see in those clubs i don't feel like so it is it, it kind of blurs those lines between like okay we kind of know the reality is like they're in the asylum and i do like how a lot of scenes are shot where like i think it kept me guessing like is this like actually like, is this, like, actually, like, a room she's imagining within the burlesque club? Or is it, like, actually just, like, straight up a room in the asylum? Because, it, like, some of those rooms, some of the settings, look like they could just be, like, straight up be a room in the asylum. Um, yeah. Like, I, mean, I feel like the, the kitchen, for sure. I was, I was literally about to say the kitchen is a perfect example. That kitchen, I, I feel like it. the kitchen pretty much doesn't change between the two settings. I feel like the kitchen is the same between the asylum and the burlesque club. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, stuff like that. I, I I felt like they did a good job of the the setting and like blurring those lines between like the two main settings. But then you also have you know she she pops into her her fantasy. She basically has the inception, the dream within a dream. You know she imagines she's in this you know burlesque club, but then when she performs, she's putting herself into a whole other. You know, yeah, and so you kind of have, world. like, three degrees of, like, agency there, too, right? So, mm -hmm. like, in the Asylum world, it's, like, she has no agency whatsoever. She's, like, entirely at the whims of the Asylum. Yeah. In the uh, burlesque 
realm. Um, she has the ability to like it's it's kind of undecided, right? It's like she has choices she can make that can affect the outcome of like what what it is her her situation. And then there's yeah. the like purely fantasy world where she is empowered. It's almost like a uh it's almost like an anime. Like straight up that first um fantasy she has where mm -hmm. it's her showing up at like the dojo and being given weapons and being like yeah, you got to fight, defend yourself. Um, yeah. That is a world, like, of of complete and total empowerment. So you have, like, these three different degrees of agency that you're working with within the film. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the way they straddle those three is pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Especially because they tell you how the movie's going to end from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. the play ends with the lobotomy scene and Sweet Pea taking off the wig and escaping the scene, right? Yeah. Um, very, very interesting storytelling there, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But then, something else I noticed, well, I just want to kind of like, talk about the critical response here for a moment I, I, I just have this pulled up on uh, Wikipedia uh, so Rotten Tomatoes says that like 22% of uh, critics have given it, a, given it a positive review um, Metacritic has a 33 out of 100 uh somewhat interesting here audiences polled by cinema score gave the film an average grade of b minus on an a plus to f scale um kind of close to home here orlando sentinel gave the movie one out of four stars calling it a quote an unerotic unthrilling erotic thriller in the video game mold uh, another guy wrote with its quest to retrieve magical totems clearly demarcated levels and non-stop action Snyder's clattering concoction sometimes feels less like a movie than an extended elaborate trailer for its redundant video game adaptation uh Sydney Morning Herald called the film incredibly ambitious uh yeah, I just feel like I feel like you're missing the mark at that point if you're just being like oh yeah it's just like taking shit from video games and they're going to find these like magic idols or items throughout this movie. It, it's very much, you know, it, it's taking and, and disguising their entire plot to escape as yeah. like these elaborate fantasies that she has while she's performing to distract people so that they can gather the items to you know fulfill this plot um yeah some of the better ones uh here on wikipedia talking about it uh this mm -hmm. keith ulett guy from Time Out new york uh named sucker punch the 10th best title of 2011 saying this excessive digit satire spits in the face of fanboys and their franchises uh sonny bunch 
hailed the movie as a, quote, exciting, entertaining piece of work, one that subverts your expectations even as it plays to your presumptions. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think that part right there is what it does. Like, it's an exciting, entertaining piece of work that subverts your expectations even as it plays to your presumptions. I think that that is a very intuitive uh, read into this movie. Um, yeah. Precisely because, like, as as I'm watching it, I'm sitting there like, okay, this is a primarily female cast, right? Where mm-hmm. the villains are male, right? Stepfather mm-hmm. is yep. uh, evil. Kind of the initial, yeah, <laughs> we'll just stop there at evil. Yeah, Stepfather's uh, the initial the initial villain we're introduced to, who's just a piece of shit. Is it Oscar Isaac, right? Yep, Oscar Isaac is our our orderly. Oscar um, Isaac, not a good guy. Blue. The cook, not a good guy. Yeah. Uh, the it's interesting how the film portrays the uh, the high roller slash the lobotomist doctor mm-hmm. uh, because it kind of refrains from making him good or evil. Yeah, uh, I will say this movie kind of. Sp- this version of the movie that we watched, the R one, the extended one, kind of spells it out a little bit more uh, because you, that whole last scene with him um, <laughs> after she helps Sweet Pea escape and then there's like the scene with him and her in the room. Yeah. Uh, that was not in the original film. Huh. Uh, it just cut to the, you know, like that after hammer knock scene where he's like, what the hell? Did you see that? The look she gave me like right before the end there that was kind of weird. Uh, um, huh. Yeah, so that wasn't in there. Uh, the first musical scene in this one was also not in the original. So the uh, like, what song was that? Like, your love is my drug or something like that. Yeah, what well, love is the drug? Love is the drug. Um, that wasn't in there. That's also very interesting because a lot of the. Uh, empowering scenes take place during performances so for in this version the first performance to be like an entirely raunchy like uh, not in their control very like contrived dance theater sequence um, where it's not their dances it's someone else's moves Uh, I found that very interesting um because the next time you see a dance sequence, it is Baby Doll doing her first uh, fantasy empowerment scene, where yes. she receives the weapons and she gets the the message there of like, uh, you have everything you need already. And what does she do? She defeats these three like Oni demon samurai, basically. Mm-hmm. who I think are supposed to represent her like inner demons, you know? Yeah. Um, and like that self-empowerment is what leads her to be able to empower the team, which is what happens in the next sort of empowerment scene is they're all a team working together. Uh, and if you notice in all of those like fantasy scenes, the things that they have in each one always gets like added to. So by the time you get to the final one, like Sweet Pea still has like the broadsword on her back from the one before that when they were fighting like orcs and dragons and shit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was really interesting because uh, as far as character development goes, it's not like you just have the same character going through different scenes and they don't change or anything. It's like the hardships that you go through are being built upon and they all become stronger for it, you know? Um, yeah. That's just like a minor detail too. There's a lot of minor details in this movie that I think in the long run, if you're not looking for them, end up just being overlooked. But whenever like you're really digging into the movie, I think it leads you into appreciating the storytelling, uh, the characters, the uh, the different levels of plot. Like it's a very layered movie. Mm-hmm. It's like eating a cake, you know, where there's a bunch of levels, bunch of layers, and you yeah. have to kind of like you can appreciate the whole thing in one bite, but you can also like sit there and pick through the layers and appreciate like the the individual components that went into it to make it uh, a lot better. Yeah. And it seems to me like a lot of people just <laughs> took the first bite of cake and went, oh, this is too rich. Like, uh, this is kind of gross. There's too many flavors going on here. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say this does, the movie does suffer a little bit from the uh, Snyderisms. Some of the slow motion sequences are yeah. quite over the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that absolutely contributes to people calling it the, what was that quote earlier? Uh, in the video game mold. Oh, um, uh, yeah. But. I'll say this too. Uh, I got, I've gotten in the habit recently of like counting how long scenes are. So like how quickly they're cutting. Um, this movie has a lot of really long scenes. And when I say really long, it's probably not going to sound too long, but like considering that the average scene length in movies nowadays is about three seconds. Uh, this movie had a number of scenes that were 15 to like 20 seconds long. Uh, some of the scenes in this, some of the like transition scenes uh, without cuts, but like they clearly go into like digital stuff. Some of those scenes were like up to a minute long. Yeah. Um, I found that really interesting. Uh, as far as like, how does that affect the pacing of this movie? I don't know. I feel like it amps up when it needs to and it comes down when it needs to. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I'd agree. I I didn't feel like it was a poorly paced movie. No, I, think, I thought it I thought it was paced very well. Yeah. I think it drags a little bit in the final act, but I think that's pretty standard for things that are like kind of tragedies. Like the ending of this movie isn't entirely tragic, but it's like coupled tragedy and triumph and one kind of like they tell you is going to happen Mm -hmm. in the beginning of the movie. Um, But for it being like a fairly tragic ending where the character that you're kind of led to believe is the main character ends up having to make this sacrifice and this other character is the one who like benefits from it um yeah 
I think that taking the time to spell that out definitely did this extended version a service whereas uh, I think in the original one it just kind of like felt rushed and a little a little more depressing I think yeah um yeah so reading through more of the critical response here it seems like this movie got a drew criticism for its depiction of women uh several critics described the film as misogynistic and others expressed concern over its treatment of sexual violence how do you feel like the movie handled that i yeah no i i I don't feel like that at all um i feel like you could point to a ton of other movies um that are just like more sexualized uh around that time like i don't know i feel like even their outfits were like fairly kind of like modest um even like for the time like this is only 2011 we're talking about like i don't know i feel like there was much raunchier stuff or like uh, like fan servicey stuff that was going on I, I don't think that's what they were aiming for at all with this. Yeah. Uh, listen to this quote. Um, A.O. Scott of the New York Times described the film as a fantasia of misogyny that pretends to be a feminist fable of empowerment and found that the film's treatment of sexual violence was problematic and believes the target audience as a whole is in favor of it. Would you say any point that you're like, in favor of the sexual violence in this? Because I would say, like, absolutely not. No. I, I feel like this movie does a good job of portraying... I, I like how they're saying it's misogynist, but I, I feel like this does a good job of portraying, like, the... the Actually, like, how, like, the evils of misogyny and how bad it is, like, how, how there are men out there, like the orderly, a man in power taking advantage of these mentally ill women you know the stepfather who's obviously you know abusive and like doing these things you know someone who, who is a parental like, figure abusing his power in particular we can just talk about that for a moment like like you said potentially in some way it's kind of implied that like he led to the the mother's death mm-hmm. be that poison or whatever or maybe she was just sick and he like tried to latch onto her to get the inheritance um but whenever he finds out that it's not been left to him, it's been left to her two daughters, what does he immediately try to do? Uh, go rape the daughters. Yeah. Presumably to get one of them pregnant so that he has a claim to the mm-hmm. the land or the property or the fortune or whatever's going on there. Yeah. Um, like, entirely evil. And at no point... At no point would I ever say that. I was like rooting. What the fuck was that quote? Uh, At no point was I ever in favor of the sexual violence. Like the one girl looks like she's like 12 or something like that. Yeah. No fucking way would you ever want. I mean, even baby doll is like 20 years old and you're like, no, get out of there. Like, yeah, Yeah. scratch his face. Go find the gun. Like, (laughs) yeah, fucking shoot this dude. And it's. 
I mean, it's very clear that these are portrayed as the evil people. These are portrayed as the, you know, the perpetrators of of, of the film. So it's like, I I feel like at no point is it, you know, is it portraying I mean, is it or is it is it glorifying any sort of like sexual violence towards women? I feel like it is showing the evils of it. One of the most triumphant moments of the movie is when you think that fucking Blue is gonna rape a. Uh, baby doll and she pulls the knife out from under the the mm -hmm. cabinet or whatever and, and stabs, stabs him in the him. fucking shoulder and you're like hell yeah 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 I don't know like I just yeah I feel like a lot of them it seems like a lot of critics kind of miss the miss the punch I feel like they're trying to just be like oh he casted a bunch of women in and, and clothed them scantily in, in order to like fan service or, or you know with ill intention I'm like no I think the point of this is like you have your two main characters who are both female obviously they're going to be sent to like a female asylum an all female asylum and um, it, it's like at that point you're also working to paint this parallel between the asylum and like a, a, a burlesque club slash brothel that they're all working in. So I, I feel like if anything, he was like Zack Snyder and, and the costuming were more modest than they could have been. Like they could have gone more over the top and sexualized it even more. And I feel like they stayed fairly modest as far as a lot of it went. Here's an actual, here's a quote from Snyder himself uh, on this topic. In retrospect, mm -hmm. Snyder said, I'm always shocked that it was so badly misunderstood. I always said that it was a commentary on sexism and geek culture. Someone would ask me, why did you film the girls this way? And I'd say, well, you did. Sucker Punch is a fuck you to a lot of people who will watch it. Uh, which, I mean, I would agree with. I, I was going to say, I feel like, and, and this is something I, I think we, <laughs> honestly, you make, you could even say this is a, this movie was ahead of its time, because I feel like we have this culture now of these coomers and these incels online that want to be like, oh, all women are sluts and whores, and if they have an OnlyFans, they're terrible, they're never going to find a man, they don't, you know, women don't deserve love, and at the same time, they're the dudes going and paying for the OnlyFans and jerking off. And like they they want to sexualize these women, but also like talk shit and talk down on them, like if they're if they're you know making a buck off of sex work or doing whatever. So it's like I, I feel like this was a little bit ahead of its time in that regard because I feel like that's kind of what this is aimed at. It's aimed at that kind of like some of these dudes who do that, the like sexualize women, but at the same time like talk down on them. Um, here's another couple interesting quotes. Patrick Bromley of DVD Verdict posited that Sucker Punch uses the, quote, prism of popular culture to say something about the roles that women find themselves forced into and not just in the fantasies of geeks and fanboys. Uh, Bromley further judged that the film is, a quote, about fighting a losing battle, about using every tool at your disposal, be it sexuality or physical strength or wit or the ability to band together and fight a common enemy the tool of the sisterhood and about how that still isn't enough. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a pretty good description. Yeah. I mean, like that, that's the plot of the movie. 
<laughs> yep. is uh, them empowering themselves and then empowering each other and then it still not being enough and how like only one of them is able to get out and actually presumably lead a decent life. Yeah. Um, I also like to talk about um, the the angel, the the wise man, I believe is his actual title, but people say he's like God or an angel or, you know, some sort of otherworldly entity because, you know, he appears in these dreams and then right at the very end appears as the bus driver who, you know, goes above and beyond to make sure Sweet Pea successfully flees the, uh, the state. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen, I mean, I, after the movie, I kind of, I was like, okay, let me see if, like, if what I'm thinking is, like, correct. And there was kind of, like, a Reddit post, I'm like, yeah, it's it's not very clear who he is, but you could assume he's some sort of, you know, force for angel. good. Yeah, essentially a guardian angel. Up on. Yeah, that that is, I you know, that was when I looked it up and I, I read that Reddit post. I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Because they, they did bring it back to like, oh, the guardian angel. And she basically, specifically, and, you know, explicitly states it right there, could be an old man. And so it's like. Yeah, well, she has multiple guardian angels in this movie, right? She's got mm -hmm. baby doll and she has uh, this old man. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like even to an extent, maybe not a guardian angel, but um, the doctor did yeah, seem Dr. like Doctor Gorski did seem like she had the you know the uh, all, all of the the girls like best interest at heart, um, you know, to the point where she was the one who when we flash back post lobotomy, uh, we get her recognizing that uh, obviously um, uh, Blue has been. Um, counterfeiting her signature yeah, in order that, to. Well, I want to talk about that scene with John Hamm where uh, mm -hmm. him and Baby Doll are in the room together and they're talking and like yeah. he's not sitting there like yeah I want like one pure moment of like perfect ecstasy or something. She's like yeah I just want truth and yeah. then like that being a line that fits in both worlds and then you know that happens flashes back to the other one they're in the asylum mm -hmm. uh he starts looking through the records or whatever and dr gorski's there and she's like oh no i don't i don't agree with this method whatsoever like i believe that you can always be healed uh, which i think is a really good message yeah a very good message to get from this movie is that you can you can always come back from from pain um but like that uh that moment of how do they phrase it before perfect victory and ultimate sacrifice or something like that mm -hmm. um, flawless perfect victory flawless sacrifice I don't know uh, like her death being the thing that probably brings about change to this entire system Yeah, I think that that's like a really uh, a really encapsulates like the the sacrificial hero you know um b the fact that like this victory for her brings about like multiple victories like sweet pea gets out gets to live her life uh the system is probably going to be changed because of this and as history has shown is um 
but also allows her and this is the part where you could probably debate it but like in her own way to escape the pain that she brought on herself by accidentally shooting her sister mm -hmm. um yeah yeah <laughs> I forget how I got on that, but uh, I don't know. I just yeah, I, I I found that I found that dialogue, and and I guess I didn't. I, I think I also didn't recognize the high roller as the doctor initially until the it flips back. Mm -hmm. Um, but I found that dialogue to be very interesting. The that that he carries that he carries out with her. Um. And yeah, I, I that that I think was the most surprising cut is like them having that conversation. It just cuts to the, you know, the tap essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I you know I think it was a movie that dealt with some heavy stuff, but in a very well well done well thought out and entertaining way yeah and i think i think again i'd stand by my <laughs> my original statement that i think some people are just too stupid some of these critics are too stupid to uh to recognize and appreciate it like you know when i sit on here and i read rotten tomato reviews and someone says it it you know Snyder likes to think that his Russian nesting doll of a concept is enough to excuse its hollow center. I'm like, I don't feel like there, I feel like there was no hollow center. There was a lot to unpack there um, when you really dive into it. Yeah, that's totally William William Goss from Film.com. So if film. William Goss com. William Goss, if you're listening to this, uh, you missed the mark on your review from June 29th, 2011 on uh, a psycho punch i'm sorry I, I i can't take your opinion seriously especially when you gave a 65 percent to pitch what? perfect too uh mark monitor uh domain for sale film.com <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus um all right, so I think we agree that like this movie is underappreciated. Uh, we've already yeah. kind of talked about some of the the visuals of the um, the asylum and the uh, brothel. The fantasy scenes, though, I think are where this like really excels. Like, yeah, uh, the like anime fight scene between her and the samurai is fucking awesome the concept of like uh i mean all of this is coupled with very good music but like <laughs> the second giant samurai be like walking in with a fucking rocket launcher and a minigun is yeah. awesome <laughs> yeah um and then and then you get to that final one that's like still standing in the yard and it's snowing and like there's lots of dark shadows and and uh oh yeah coupled with it when she slashes them like bright light comes out of them mm -hmm. um 
but yeah, you get like that classic samurai showdown scene of them rushing at each other and then one falls. Oh man, that's just a cool scene. Yeah. Uh, but then the second one, where it's like World War One destroyed city in France with like you've got and the, the trenches. Yeah, you've got the trenches. You've got the like bombed out. Uh, not monastery. What would you call it? Like cathedral. Mm-hmm. Um, we got the zeppelins. You've got the the planes. Uh, well, also, I also like what they did with the, um, you know, with the like the opposition, essentially the Nazi soldiers, where they are pre-Nazis, but yeah. or sorry, pre yeah, the the pre-Nazi soldiers, uh, where they're essentially like these like steam. like clockwork zombies yeah clockwork zombies yeah that's fucking awesome an an incredibly unique idea you know and you couple all that with giving one of the characters a fucking like hyper futuristic mech yeah that's that's just fucking cool like that's straight out of an anime and and i really i i appreciated like you know, they did that and like the effects, like as she's like running through and shooting, like these dudes are like, they just like essentially spring a leak. Like you see like the steam just bursting from them as she's shooting them. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really cool effect that they added into this. And something that happens in that scene is that uh, one of the tricks that she used on the samurai doesn't work anymore. So mm-hmm. she does that like spinning jump over the blade. But when she tries to do that to the uh, German general or whoever that guy is uh she goes to spin over his blade and he just fucking kicks her through a post (laughs) yeah and you're like oh yeah you have to keep growing you have to keep changing to get past like new difficulties and things like you can't just keep using the same trick over and over um tiny detail that's probably overlooked by a lot of people yeah um you also have like the messenger guy that's very clearly not a clockwork steam powered zombie guy who they let live yeah like they don't kill him in the end um interesting the that's that's just an interesting detail mm-hmm. uh yeah. which one comes after that is that the the dragon scene yeah it'd be fire so then you get this scene that's like straight out of Warhammer Fantasy. It looks like a siege in the chaos waste. You've got yeah. like van- uh, vampires. What the fuck am I saying? Uh, you've got volcanoes erupting in the background. You have this like elven looking citadel that's occupied by orcs. Mm-hmm. And you have these like uh, heavy metal knights outside that are like beating the door down. That's just fucking cool. And then you couple that with, like, they show up <laughs> in, like, a B-52 bomber with a fucking minigun out the side. And I don't know. I Dude, I just, I love all of these little, like, fantasy scenes that they do because they're so, they're, they're so very unique. There. Yeah, yeah, and very unique because I feel like you haven't seen those ki- types of things in movies a lot of the time. No. Uh I mean, they show up into that scene and it's a siege and they like drop in and then they're like shooting everyone with automatic weapons. But then they do pull out like swords and stuff and everyone's got their own shit too. So like Rocket takes one of the orc swords and is like hacking at them. 
uh, Sweet Pea has the fucking broadsword. Uh, Baby Doll still using the katana and like 45. Uh, very fun, very fun scenes. Um, and then the last one is them on the train. Yeah. And you've got the like, what does he call them? Mechanized gunmen, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got these like hyper futuristic mirrored robot guys that are. I mean, there's a whole train scene fight. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. I think the only movie with a better train scene fight is probably Snowpiercer when they're going through the dark and like yeah. they open the door and all the dudes are standing there in like butcher gear and they take the fish and just start like dipping their axe blade in its blood and passing the fish along. Dude, That's a fucking cold scene. Snowpiercer is a great severely underrated movie. I also, I also believe. I don't know if I, I'd say. Cause I feel like I don't know anyone who saw Snowpiercer and was like, that movie sucked. I just think that a lot of people haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, you know what, to be fair, I guess, I, I, for some reason I thought it got lower ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a 94 from critics and a 73 from audience. I'm going to say audience is on the wrong on this. I, I love that movie. I like it. It's just kind of bleak. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, um, uh, uh, but yeah, back, back to it. So, yeah, you have the yeah, train so scene. Like, the visuals of this movie are, like, just incredible in my opinion uh, yeah. going back to what you said like set design very good uh the action sequences i think are very good and mm -hmm. coupled with these like fantasy scenes where it like goes beyond realistic into like full-on anime fantasy type stuff uh i think that's like a really good pairing oh. um i just keep putting my hands up and going like you know what i mean <laughs> Um, I I don't know. I feel like I would recommend this movie to just about anyone, and a lot of people would probably not get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I feel like it's it's a it's a movie to have someone watch and then discuss or like talk to them about it. Yeah, so I, I feel agree. like if you can if you can either sit down with them and watch the movie or at least have a discussion about it later I feel like you know pointing out some of those those things those nuances like I, I think it, it it brings a whole new dimension to the movie yeah yeah I mean kind of like the review you were reading Zack Snyder's Russian nesting egg like yeah clearly it's someone like you just really wonder like what was your hang up with this movie like what did you find empty about it? Because like I, I think that it's a very empowering movie, not just for women, but for anyone watching this. Yeah. Uh, it, it kind of asserts a lot of like good values, you know, like mm -hmm. empower yourself, empower those around you, uh, seek to undermine um, institutions or individuals who are abusing power you know yeah uh I, say, I don't i don't know how you look at this and go it, there's not enough or there's it's a hollow center i feel like if anything i could more so understand the argument that there's too much going on it's a lot 
Um, so like, yeah, I don't really get that. I don't really get that assessment, but I, I would give this a solid eight, eight out of 10. I'm going to give it an 8.9. I think it's really good. I think, yeah. uh, it kind of hits all of the like necessary aspects of, uh, like good filmmaking. So like yeah. script, the story itself, I think is good. The dialogue I think is good. Uh, the, the layers of plot, mm -hmm. I think is good. Keeping, keeping in uh, your audience wondering like which of these is real. Yeah. I think that's good. Um, deducting points for the slow-mo. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking uh, <laughs> 1.1 off of the, the complete score of 10 for just the egregious slow-mo. Yeah. I get why he does it, but like, oh my god, dude. He's got to chill out with that. Yeah. Agreed. Well... well you got anything else? I guess that's about it. I don't think I have anything else. I, I don't really... I, I was in Dallas the whole weekend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Let's I got you. This past weekend. Uh, this past New Year's. New Year's. I hung out with family. Yeah, I went, I went and saw that boy Skrillex. Oh, wow. So... I mean, him, 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 him amongst a, a bunch of other people, but he was, he was the main one on my list to eventually see, and I finally got to see him. Was it everything you hoped for, seeing that little guy up on stage? Not really. Did he look even smaller up on stage? We, we like, we were like kind of far up. And it got to a point where, like, Casey and I just, like, looked at each other. We were like, do you want to just, like, move back? And we ended up going to a different set. Because, like, there were, like, multiple stages going on at the same time. So we went over to a different set and saw AC Slater. Who's, like, more, like, bass house music. But we, like, uh, we we left because we were, we were just, like, uh, pretty far up front. We were, like, people were just filtering in. And, like, just people just pushed through the crowd. And it's just like, it starts getting so crowded up there. And it's just like, at some point you're just like, I feel like this is something people expect me to do or like be at and not somewhere I want to be. Like, what's the point of me like being here to enjoy the music if I have no space, like no personal space to move around. Yeah. Is there much moshing going on at those? Um, not, I wouldn't say Skrillex, but um, some of the other ones, like you have like Sullivan King who like infuses like metal mm -hmm. um and it, like he, he definitely like he does like all the vocals he like does like screaming vocals and everything um you definitely get like mosh bits of that and then, like i don't know if you, did you know shaq's a dj a dubstep dj shaq shaquille o'neal shaquille o'neal yeah if you look the up diesel himself yeah dj diesel he Jesus. fucking he just goes around all the festivals and plays shows and he just like he, he i mean he produces his own music he he got taught from a couple djs like dubstep DJs, so like now he does his own sets or whatever. But he like hit people mosh at his sets. He actually one of the one festival he got down from the stage and like got in the mosh pit with people. And I'm like that would be a terrifying mosh pit to be in with that man. 
I don't know, dude. I used to fucking love the mosh pits where it was like just a bunch of guys that were bigger than you. Like I remember yeah. at a warp tour one year, um, I ran into some friends I knew and they were like, yeah, we're here to see uh, Riff Raff. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and watched Riff Raff with them and he opened his set to this like real sludgy kind of song. And there was just a bunch of dudes moshing, and a lot of them were like big guys, like my height or taller. But like, I mean, you know me, I'm 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 a thin man. Uh, just a lot of like heavy set dudes moshing. But I'm tall enough that I know like if I'm swinging my arms, I'm not gonna get hit. I'm gonna hit them before they hit me, right? Yeah, you got more reach. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, I'm I'm never scared in mosh pits. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I've got the protective barrier of range, but um, that's, that's fair. Yeah, I also, if they're bigger than you, you can hit them harder than they can hit you. So <laughs> true, yeah. Um, but uh, that was pretty much. Oh, I had. Uh, did you? I I didn't get a chance to say we we went to probably the best hot pot and Korean barbecue place I've ever been to. I saw your Instagram pictures. Yeah. Dude, that that place, it, I don't. It's like, however they like. First, so it was thirty five dollars, all you can eat for both hot pot and Korean barbecue. Pretty good deal. I I ate my fill and then some. Like I was so fucking stuffed after that. But like they had like this miso pork belly that had like was just like marinated and like like the the miso like rub they put on it, like marinated in it. Dude, it, it had such a good like like nice flavor to it. Yeah, had that on the grill. I, I did some kimchi hot pot. Every time I go to a soup place, my next pee takes me like six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sitting on the toilet, like, is this ever gonna end? <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Uh, it was pretty. I mean, it's it's like really new. So like compared to the one we did for your birthday in Orlando, that was Shelby's birthday. Or that was Shelby. Yeah, that was Shelby's birthday. Um, the one we did for Shelby's birthday in Orlando, this place was probably like triple the size. They had so many, and like even then, it was still like an hour wait to get a table. But they yeah. they they didn't do like unlike the place in Orlando, they didn't do reservations. It was all first come first serve there because they're just like so new and people are like rushing to get in there. Yeah, it was that cool though. Sucked for us if uh, that place just, in Orlando oh had been like that God. since fucking someone was forty five minutes late. Hey, that was on Michael because V. Because V got drunk at her brunch or whatever, and Michael had to go pick her up, and then he was late. I was I was trying to like get out the fucking door. That was on him. Y'all knowing we gotta drive through Orlando. I know. I was giving him so much shit. I was like, dude. And then the little Asian guy kept coming over and be like, "Are they gonna be here soon?" And I was like, "I don't know, but yeah, they keep telling us they're gonna be here soon." He was getting so mad at us because of you guys. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting ready to fight him. <laughs> <laughs> Stop yelling at me. Yeah. Yeah, because then you guys showed up and I was mad at you guys. I was like, you fucking got this yeah. guy pissed off at me because of you guys. I'm pretty sure I wasn't trying to blame Michael at that moment, but that was definitely Michael's fault. But by extension, it was V's fault because she doesn't know how to handle her liquor or moderate during brunch. I mean, what do you expect when you're dating a, a, a little baby? <laughs> Tiny little baby. Freshly 21-year-old. Yeah, 
We're too old for that. Too old. I'll tell you what, though. Padre's house, New Year's Eve. Yeah? He was like, what do you want to drink? We got all this. And he uh, points at all the bottles of alcohol that are out on the kitchen counter. And I go, I don't want any of that. Don't you have some scotch somewhere? And he goes, scotch? Yeah, I've got a couple bottles of scotch. So we ended up having like a 12-year scotch, me and him. And my little brother was actually there too, Ooh. which if I don't, you might know this, but he's my half brother. So he's, <laughs> he's my brother on my mom's side. So yeah. he was at my dad's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and it was kind of funny. Just like all of us getting drunk and complaining about my mom. <laughs> oh yeah. That's too funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, but he's over in Germany now talking about all these girls he's meeting over there. Right, is he, he just he, he just decided to go to Germany? <laughs> nah, he's there for work. Ah, uh, nice. Um, Wait, yeah. your, dad or, your dad or your brother? My half-brother. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. So he was telling us, like, these German pickup lines he would use. Because he doesn't, like, really know German. He just knows, like, a little bit, you know? And then he yeah. tries to, like, transition the conversation to English was basically what he was saying his strategy was. So he'd be like... Pretty good. Uh, I cringed every time he said one. <laughs> um, Shit. Nice. Yeah, he also said that, like, most of the German people he meets just, like, they are standoffish and rude and I was like well I would be too if some fucking foreigner was trying to talk to me in a bar <laughs> <laughs> that's not true if I hear someone speaking German I go my people hello flashback to Matt's wedding I only talked to the the German girl for the entire time <laughs> uh yeah anyway no one wants to hear this shit uh if you listen this rambles. far you're a fucking champion um, we've got social media. Yeah, we are on Twitter slash X at BedPipesPod. Uh, if you want to email us a film recommendation or a question or ask us how we wipe, uh, you can do that at cryptidworksofficial at gmail.com. Uh, if you, for some unhinged reason, wanted to support this nonsense financially, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash bad pipes podcast and uh music is always by carl casey at white bat audio give him a listen uh yeah pretty much think that's everything all right boys kiss your dog good night and hello for me bye bye